It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast with your host, James Macmillan and Alan Ashcraft. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Today, joining us via a video call, conference call or call? We'll just call it a call. Sure. We have Finn McKenty, a repeat guest. Uh, this is the second time he's been on the show. Finn McKenty of the Punk Rock MBA, we welcome you to the show. Welcome. Very pumped. Thank you for having me back. I'm honored to be the, uh, I guess, first repeat guest. Hopefully, I won't make you regret it. And then hopefully after this, you won't go, well, that's the last fucking time we have a repeat guest. We milked that one dry the first time, and there was just nothing left. Yeah, lesson week. learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah James, James and I discussed it. We were like, we have to have him on for like one time per hate breed tattoo that he has. Yes. Okay, well, well then, um, but I have a death threat tattoo also, which is like that hate counts. adjacent. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sure they must have shared members at some point. Yeah, so, yeah. So it almost counts. Yeah, almost. Wait, you have two papery tattoos? Yes, and one death threat tattoo. What? How long ago did you get the first one? Uh, what was the first one? Uh, probably like 2005 or something or eight. I don't remember. Damn. That's legit. I remember my my like connection with hate breed. Like the first thing I think of when people bring it up was. I went to, uh, I must've been 15 and I had just gotten into Slipknot. So I was like, I know heavy music. Like I'm going to start venturing in a little more. And, uh, we we're at Fred Meyer and my mom was like, all right, you can get one CD. That's when CDs were like 20 bucks. So it was like right. a big deal. <laughs> and, uh, how did they get away with that? Yeah, for real. Oh, and then, I know. And then here's how dumb fucking 15 year old Alan is. I spend that, you know, one CD credit on, uh, I believe it was under the knife, which was not, it wasn't a full length. I think it had like, it might, might've been just an EP. But it's I was like, seven inch. And I think the CD version might have like some demo or split tracks or something on it. Yeah. And, and I mean that, that song is the shit, but then, you know, the other ones were, it was whatever, but the, that cover, I was like, that cover is fucking legit. I'm getting this. And that was back when you just bought shit because Spotify wasn't a thing. So you just, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And if it sucks, it sucks. Well, you could have done worse than that one. Uh, actually, that's the first Hatebreed tattoo I got is from that 7-inch Smash Your Enemies. Yes. Yes, that's what's up. It's a very I actually, underrated Hatebreed song. Yes, it really is. You know, I remember back uh, when that came out. I think that came out in 96 or 97. When, and I remember, like, back then, it's it's weird. They were the exact opposite of what they are, are now. 
I think probably just because Jamie, you know, Jamie's the same age as me. So he was like 18 or 17 or something. And he started the band. He was like 15. And uh, they were super unreliable. They canceled probably three quarters of their shows back then. I remember in like 97 or so, I was supposed to see them four or five times and they canceled every single fucking show, (laughs) which is totally the opposite of how they are now. You know, Jamie's a machine, but back then I think he was probably just a kid having a hard time finding people, you know, who are reliable enough, but for uh, sure. Yeah. But like uh, doc Coy, do you guys know doc from uh, God forbid and bad wolves? I don't know him personally, but I'm, I was a huge God forbid fan. Gotcha. So he was talking about this on his uh, podcast the other day and, it's interesting. I feel like it almost created like an air of mystery around them because, you know, it's like scarcity creates demand, you know, that we always, we wanted to see Haybreed because we were all so crazy about that seven inch, but it was like, will they show up, you know? And so yeah, I'm so I, excited I finally got to see them. I love that concept. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like that makes them the cool kid in high school. Kind of like they, they got better shit to do when really, you know, maybe their fucking vehicles are breaking down or, they can't afford to get where, wherever, but someone's and, in jail. Yeah, exactly. All the coordination of getting those <laughs> those fucking mean kids together, right? Just mean kids. Um, I, your name is obviously incredibly Irish sounding, Finn, and yes. I can't believe I didn't ask you before, but you are Irish, right? Of Irish descent. Well, my father is from Norway, uh, and my mother is American, so. Then why why the very, very Irish name? Well, I'm told, actually, I guess it's Scottish. I'm told this by Scottish people. Uh, I don't I don't know the first fucking thing about Ireland or Scotland. Oh, okay. or, I'm not into this, like, white ethnicity thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's really different. When I lived on the East Coast, it's such a big thing. It's, it's, it's a, like, thing. Irish, it's a big thing. Irish, Italian, yeah. or Polish. It's a big thing in my family. I'm definitely into it. But I, I also understand the criticism of it. Oh, I don't have any criticism. I just, I don't care. You well, know? I, I actually do have criticism of it. Because when I when I first went to Western Europe, <laughs> it was the first time I had someone point out to me, I think I was talking to someone uh, from Edinburgh, Scotland. Yeah. I mentioned that my last name was a Scottish name. And I even went as far as to say, I am Scottish. And he kind of looked at me and like, kind of, what? Yeah, you focus his brow a little bit. He's like, <laughs> only Americans say that. <laughs> you know, only Americans say that. But to be fair, it is like a uniquely American thing that we have so many ig- immigrants that came here. Totally. So there is a whole identity in being Irish American or, you know, Mexican American or whatever. Right. Be, where it, in a lot of other countries, that's just not so much of, of a demographic or an identity. Well, yeah, it's interesting. So my wife, uh, her whole family is from Vietnam, but she's born in America. She's the only one that's American. And she's terrified of Vietnamese people for this reason, because she's obviously American. And so when she's with her sisters or something who are obviously Vietnamese, and she's terrified of running into older Vietnamese people because they're going to judge her for being American. Right. So yep. it's sort of the, the same kind of dynamic. And it is interesting that um, it's, it's interesting that so many people, it's like you could call it like boondock saint syndrome. You know, it's like absolutely. There's these people that just want so badly to like have some sort of, and I'm not saying this is everybody that does the white ethnicity thing, but like there's a segment of those people who just want so badly to have some sort of distinctive like group identity. You know, they want to be able to say that they're Irish or Italian and somehow that makes them a member of this important group. And it's like, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, like you're fourth generation American and yeah, nothing wrong with that. I don't really see why you're trying so hard to, you know, belong to this thing. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's very true. Especially those two Irish and Italian. I just want to, I want to point something out real quick that happened in just the opening minutes of this uh, podcast, just because it is so James and I are very different and I, and I love a lot of what makes him different with me. But if you look at what just happened, Finn and I were talking about hate breed and then James came in like the dad that he is yep. and went full social studies, just full 23 and me. Full 23 and me. So let's fucking, let's have a, a, a history yeah. lesson right now. Well, here's the thing. So Ireland, <laughs> yeah, it's called the Troubles and it was between Northern Ireland. I just love it because it's so, I'm so not, I just, I need to talk about like random, like non-adult stuff. And I like that sometimes you keep me in line. And well, you make you're me, making it sound like that's what we do on the show. Most of the time we're talking about our dicks and farts. <laughs> Which is what I signed up for. So, yeah. Uh, if if I'm the adult in the room, then fuck, we're fucking in tons of trouble. Well, I know. I I just, I'll, I'll be the adult then. Yeah, yeah, I love that you think I'm the one that brings it up to the serious. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I have to applaud Finn that's, for that's, being able to play great. both sides. He's like, you want to talk about hate breed? Cool. You want to talk about heritage? And down with that too. Like he can well, just. That's, that's what I like about Finn. Like in the background of his videos, you see extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. You see, right. You know, my guess is you listen to Jordan Peterson and, you know, things of that nature. So I, yeah, I do like that we can talk about, you know, punk rock farts. Let me ask you about this lowbrow shit and that. Finn, this one's new for me. I just had somebody recommend Andy Frisella. I know his name. Uh, maybe he was on yeah. Joe Rogan's podcast or something. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know who he is. but he might, I think he, he's definitely in like the Gary Vee kind of circle. Yeah. Um, he's The way that I describe him is uh, he's, he's, he's a really good sandwich, but then the crust is uh, like kind of like it's douchey. So you got <laughs> to cut that crust off and then I think you've got something real good. Ty but, Lopez is kind of like that. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Like you've got to glean those little nuggets that are definitely there, but you, you got to wade through some shit. It's and like some, mostly douchey, but then there's these golden nuggets like, oh, you really are a smart guy. Yeah. He's got well, kind of an East Coast, like, I don't even give a fuck. This yeah. is what I'm saying, dude. But then he says something really intelligent after that. I would prefer that to the opposite, though, which is people who seem substantial. And then you get to know him a little bit more and you're like, Oh, this guy sucks. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want like a paper thin, kind of just a dude that's really rehearsed and shit, because then right, you're like, there's right, no right. substance. Right. Yeah, fake, fake deep, fake profound. Yes. Fake, fake helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now back to your surname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually... I, it is a Scottish name, by the way. I just looked it up. Yeah, that's that's what I'm told. Uh yeah, we, we watch uh, a lot of, I guess, what you'd call anthropology YouTube. Um, there's two channels that I really like a lot. One is called Geography Now, uh, and they do a different country basically for every episode. So about 15 minutes long, and they'll go through the uh, political geography, the demographics, you know, the uh, international relations. I love it. Hundreds of episodes. There's another one I like a lot called Masa Man, which is really dense, but he... His, that that's a really hardcore channel. I mean, you know, for YouTube. So, for example, he would do an episode like, um, you know, what happened to the Assyrians, and he'll like, you know, go yep. deep on Assyrians, or, you know, uh, one that I was really interested in is like uh, the Austronesians. So basically, like most people in Southeast Asia um, have some degree of uh, heritage from Indonesian 
explorers basically like uh, like 3,000 years ago. Um, so that sort of thing. It's pretty interesting. And he gets into like the genealogy and stuff like that. Um, it's like the closest you can get to like still being um, popular material, you know, and it's, it's not super digestible, but uh, I really enjoy it. So that's mostly what we watch, uh, you know, after dinner or something, we'll turn on some anthropology YouTube. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know if it's the same channel, but there's a guy that does a similar thing. He'll say like, you know, uh, the history of Ireland explained in 10 minutes and it's, yeah. some of it's animated even. I don't know if that's the same thing you're talking about. But. There's probably a bunch of people do a similar thing. I watched a, an interesting one today about the uh, lost colony of Roanoke. Do you guys know about this? The Roanoke totally colony? crazy. I, I only know what I watched in like a 10 minute video. Maybe, maybe there's something, you know, that I don't or something interesting about it. What's, it was like five theories about what happened to it. Do you have any more information? No, my guess is you probably know more than I do. I just know that it's, uh, it seems pretty undecided too. Are you talking about like Roanoke on the East coast of? America? Yeah. Well, I'll sum it up for the people who have not heard of this, which I hadn't until today. The reason why is because I went down the rabbit hole of researching uh, Jamestown, the Jamestown colony over the past couple of weeks. Um, and so anyway, this Roanoke colony, I believe, was the first colony in America in like 1580 or something like that. And then in 1585, it disappeared and nobody knows why, apparently. And so there's these different theories about, you know, did they get killed by natives or did they, uh, was there a drought or did they just assimilate with the natives. You know, there's a few different possible mm. explanations, but none of them really fully check out according to this video. Uh, so nobody knows what happened to it, apparently. And I don't know. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it is. Think about like how fucking brutal it must have been to oh, come here no. in fucking 1580. Fuck. God, um, when it took, like they got on a ship in December and it gets here in April. Yeah. And like Not everyone dies. Yeah, literally sixty percent of the people on the ship die because it was infected with the fucking bubonic plague, yep. and they don't have antibiotics. <laughs> yeah, dude, think about if your family wanted to go on vacation right now, but you're not sure if you should because one of you is most likely going to die if you do it. Right. Well, that's why we have seven kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, have an army because you're going to lose half of them. Right. <laughs> we'll lose three, and we still got the four good ones. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That's insane. That's funny to me that you find that stuff more of an adult topic, Alan, because that stuff is like so crazy to me that I, I can't not be interested in it. Yeah, but there's this, there's this bend of like education and shit. Yeah, you know, education and shit. Yeah, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not sophomoric, you know, at all. It's, uh, it's history. It's, that's, that is a, that's a fucking subject in school. Yeah, I well, I, I may be different from you guys. Uh, I'd be interested to hear about this. I've found myself really in the past like three or four years, um, just totally, I've totally lost my taste for like sophomoric stuff and dick jokes and fart jokes and stuff. I just find them kind of irritating now. So maybe I'm like officially old now. No, no, I'm with you. Listen, I am, I'm as immature as, as the rest of them at times, but I still like there to be, there's gotta be a level of cleverness to my immaturity. Right. Like, I will laugh if you, in a clever way, can put some shit together that is super childish. Right. I love that. I laughed the other day at, there was a Ricky Gervais uh, tweet where he was just talking about, hey, everybody, let's let's rename animals. And he, I can't even remember what they were, but he had a couple different names for animals. I think, um, uh, like, 
maybe a bat was a, a rat angel or something, <laughs> but he had a couple like that that were hilarious, but he's also a genius and had to think that up. It wasn't right. just, you know, I think some people, they go for that low hanging fruit and with anything in life, low hanging fruit is, it's just not going to get my attention, not going to get my respect. Right. But, uh, I've seen some comedians go full, you know, shit and dick jokes. And it's maybe the most brilliant joke I've heard, you know, oh, that it's month. Like Tom Segura and Christina Bozitsky. Absolutely. It's yeah. my, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. And all they do is talk about the, the lowest brow humor. There's a smart way to do, do dumb yeah. shit. Exactly. That's the thing. It, and it's across the board. Yeah. That's, but yeah, I'm with you, Finn. I can't. There, there's sometimes somebody just, I, I will just within passing, somebody will kind of just give me that, uh, that low hanging fruit. And I just, I don't care. We actually kind of have like a new segment on the show just called it fucking pisses me off. And it's this, this thing that I told uh, James, I want to do because essentially for exactly what you're illustrating right now, where I notice on the internet, there's all of these, uh, what was the first one that I did James? And I probably the checking in. Yeah. So the first one that I did was it fucking pisses me off when people are landing in a new city and they're, they have to tweet. They rush to tweet, hey, San Antonio, I'm in you. <laughs> like, okay, dude, you are the four millionth person to do that. Congratulations. You're trying that to be funny. Exists. Yeah, you're just trying to be funny while letting everybody Both know that you do sex. Okay, last cool. Week. <laughs> uh, last week was um, the people that – I love this too because Finn's going to get all of these because he's on oh, the internet as that. much as me. Yeah. Uh, the other one was uh, like you're at the gym, take a picture of yourself lifting, and you go – at the gym, but if I didn't take a picture of it, did it even happen? That happens all the time. There's also, I think last week I did a twofer. The other one was, uh, you post something sad and then the caption is, I'm not crying, you're crying. Okay, cool, dude. Like, and, then, and then that happened, remember? Yeah, and then the, like the following week, Barstool uh, Sports posts something and guess what the caption is? I'm not crying, you're crying. So I tag James and I'm like, look at this shit. Yep. It's Stay not slowing down. Yes. Stale Enough. is the perfect word. It's been done to death. Stop. Think of something Enough. new. Is that yeah. going to give you a heart attack if you try to be original? Just do it. Yeah. It drives me nuts. So, yeah, that's that's my long-winded uh, uh, support of what you just said. Well, you know what drives me nuts is um, people turning left. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do three rights. Figure bro. it out. Just take three rights. Wait, what's, what's weird about it is there's a lot of things. Turning left is one of them. I, sneezing, it really irritates me when people sneeze. There's a lot of these things where when other people do it, it drives me insane. But when I do it, it feels totally okay. Yeah. Well, why, is, why is it okay when I do it, but it's so irritating when they do it? Well, let's talk about, first of all, loud ass sneezers. Oh, I know a couple. Get fucked. Like <laughs> fucking my father in law. It's, I mean, I'm going to have a goddamn heart attack every yeah. time he sneezes. Ah, shit! <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's probably going to happen to us. I feel like if you're a white guy, you know, in your 60s, like the volume of your sneeze, like three X's. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. always yeah. old white guys. That just, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. like the second, the second you're 60, you go from sneezing to just sounding like you walked in on your parents having sex. Right. <laughs> I don't need that loud of a yell. That's insane to me. Yeah, he's yelling. There's a dude at Rise. Every time he sneezes, 
I legit have to leave the office because my adrenaline is pumping. <laughs> it just screams so fucking loud that I'm like, all right, cool. I'm in fight or flight. So I got to go take a right. fight break. That's fucking awesome. My, uh, my friend's grandma used to say, Awa, Awa. Uh, <laughs> was she foreign? That sounds very foreign. No, I, it's, she's just weird. She's just weird. Yeah. So she lived, um, she lived in their basement uh, she, you know, she was pretty old at that point. And, um, I remember she had this drawer of like gross old candy, like the, you know, circus peanuts and like those peppermint, um, strip grandmas do. Yeah, exactly. All yucky grandma candies. Yep. And she, uh, she was, she was an interesting personality. So I remember once, uh, she, and she would do this thing where she would try to play all of us grandchildren off of each other. I mean, I wasn't her grandchild, but sort of family friend kind of thing. And so all three of us are down there. And she says in this real, like, obvious stage whisper to my friend, Tony, she's like, Tony, would you like some candy? Don't tell Danny or Finn. Uh, No, thank you. I'm okay. And and then she says real loud, like in her own, well, fine, then fuck you, you ungrateful shit pot. Oh, my God. Does she have Tourette's? Jesus, good lord! You know that scarred him. Yeah, dude, he's he thinks about that every three weeks, guaranteed. That's horrifying. (laughs) Oh boy! Um, So you just got back from Nam, right? Yes. And how was that? Well, you know, um, any of these like uh, basically like trade show convention type things are really tiring for me, but you know what I'm not going to do. The cool thing to do is to complain about Nam and talk about how awful it is and act like you're too <laughs> cool to go there and stuff. Seriously. Which I'm not going to do because I'm grateful that I got to be there. And you know, I, of course I'm annoyed by all the same things that everyone else is annoyed by. Um, but uh, you know, I know that there's thousands and thousands of people all over the world who, you know, would give anything to be there. Uh, and you know, I get to go there every year and, uh, have a great time and see all my friends and stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. I know it's cool to be cynical about Nam, but, uh, I'm not going to go there because I feel grateful to be there. Well, I'm grateful that you're not going to do that because I'm kind of tired of it too. Something I noticed was, uh, you know, there was just obviously a plethora of postings. Everybody's like, Oh, I'm at Nam. This is so fun. Whatever. Uh, I, I kind of knew secretly that a lot of them, they were just going and, you know, walking through it, whatever. They were having like an okay time at best, you know? Yeah. But I, I see your post and I'm like, Finn's actually doing it the right way where like I saw you were hanging with Biggie and you yeah. know, actually you're like with dudes in the industry that are, you know, funny, interesting dudes, like actually having a good time. Like for you, it was almost, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it was almost kind of, I'm going to go here and hang with these people and Nam happens to be happening at the same time. 100%. And I think that's the way I approach, you know, networking in general is um, I just want to make friends, you know, and I believe that um, the kind of people that I like to be friends with are the kind of people who, uh, you know, are usually doing something cool and interesting. And if I make friends with those people, then oftentimes some sort of business opportunity comes up out of it at some point. Yeah. Um, but that's never my motivation. You know, I don't look at it transactionally, but it's exactly what it is. I just want to go to NAM and, uh, hang out with my friends. And then, you know, three months later, 
uh, I might go, oh, hey, we're doing this. Who do I know that can do that? Oh, hey, that's right, this guy. Uh, and then, you know, we, I call somebody that I hung out with at NAM, and because we hung out at NAM, you know, that um, it's easier to get that yes. Um, but yeah, that's how I go about it. It's like, I think the way to not do it is to be, you know, a wheeler dealer, hustler, business card guy and go around trying to close a deal with like everybody in sight, you know, uh, to me, that's just not a very effective way of doing it. And I think it just makes you look gross and desperate in small time. Yeah. It's, that's an interesting point that you just made. And I, it, you know, I admittedly probably took me a while. Because when I was young, I was so like, I just wanted to make it, you know, in a band and what yeah. I was doing. And, you know, there's something to be said for that, man. Because you're right. It's like, not only does it make you look gross and desperate, but it's also not effective. It's not. It also doesn't get you to the goal you're trying to get to. Anymore. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the downside with <laughs> being hungry is that hunger is the next door neighbor of desperation. And I think that sometimes people can smell that. It's kind of this... Yep. No, but you don't, you don't get it. Like, I want to make it so bad that like, I'm willing to fucking harass you. Right. And that's not, <laughs> no one is like, oh, okay, well then shit. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me give you all my business contacts. And no, it's just not, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. You have to, you got to just be a good hang. And I think yeah. that if it's genuine, it's, everything is just going to flourish from there. Yeah. I think that's the key, especially in our world where, you know, it's really not that big. It's probably true of pretty much any, anything though, um, is, is being genuine to me is the key. That's, you know, we all want to work with people who, you know, we, um, believe are genuine and authentic and we don't want to work with people where we think that they just want something from us. This is something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately, actually, you know, there's some people, you know, who I've known over the years where it became clear to me recently that I only hear from some of these people when they want something. Right. And I thought we were friends and I realized recently like, Oh, we're not actually friends. Like we're friendly, you know, but, uh, do you guys know fluff by any chance, Ryan Bruce? No. Um, like that, the guitar YouTuber. Yes. I know that name. He's, does he have a beard? Yeah. He also has a nickname, something beard guy. Right? Riffs and Beards is the name of his channel. Yeah. yeah. So he so he lives in Tacoma, uh, and I've become I've known him for a long time, but I've become pretty good friends with him recently. He's the opposite of this, and this is what I realized actually at Nam. I was like, you know, if you asked me to uh, help you clean the gutters in your house, I would hop in the car and I would go do it because we're friends, and I know you would do the same for me. Yeah. There's other people that. Uh, you know, maybe I've worked with where, uh, if I ever asked them for something like that or ride to the airport, or could you feed my cat while I'm on vacation? They'd always find a reason why they can't do it, or they'd love to help, but they can't or blah, blah, blah. And you realize the nature of that relationship is not genuine. It's just business. Well, I guess I shouldn't say it isn't genuine, but it's just business. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I personally want to work with people who, you know, genuinely want to help me and I will genuinely want to help them in return as opposed to like trying to just maximize the value of that relationship. Like Absolutely. what can I get out of James while exerting the least possible effort on my part? What can I convince him to do that will help me? Right. Absolutely. You know? Dude, I, I love that point. You do not hear enough people talk about that. Probably okay. mostly because a lot of the people you would like to hear that from are in that kind of business mindset. Yeah. But that is uh 
yeah, there's almost this level of, and this could just be the cynic in me, but there is this level of, uh, you know, fuck actual friendship. Like this is a business. We met under business circumstances, yeah. so we could never just be friends. Yes. And, and friends. I have, I've Crazy. encountered, I've encountered literally probably two, three people that I've, that I've met in a business situation that have later become actual friends. But then there are hundreds where that's not the case. So I just started to think that that was the status quo, but you calling it out right now kind of helps me realize that there are other people that are kind of like, well, why couldn't you actually be friends? There are people out there with that capability. Yeah. And I guess I'm uh, naive and I just always assume that if somebody, uh, I just assume that everyone wants to be friends, like actual friends. And, uh, and that's not the case and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, it's not like everyone, you know, has to have my view of these relationships, but personally I want to work with people who I genuinely care about and who care about me, you know, and that that's my personal view of things. And I believe that when we actually care about each other, I think that's when you'll really go the extra mile. And when you really go the extra mile, I think that's when really exceptional things happen. You know, Absolutely. Um, if you just, and I've seen this quite a bit recently, um, when, when it's that transactional kind of thing, I see these people tap out when it starts, when they realize like, Oh, this is going to be a little bit harder than I thought. You know what? I think I'm going to bail. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that means that this, this project they were involved with just died because they bailed because they weren't really invested in it. They were just sort of going, well, I'll be, in, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll be involved with this thing. And if it blows up, great. Then I get an easy win. And if, uh, and if it, and if, if it turns out that I have to put a lot of effort into it, I'm just going to walk away and let it burn. Yep. Um, and then I think, you know, if that's the way you want to live, then I get it, but it's not the way I want to do things. No, I, I totally agree. It's such a good point, man. And also, like we're, you know, I'm I'm 35 years old. You're you're close to my age, I think. And it's just like, at a certain point, I also don't give a fuck if you're trying to big league me, right? If you think you're fucking better than me, that sorry, dude. Like, I'm just gonna be me. And if it works, cool. We'll be buddies, and maybe we'll work together. Maybe we won't. But like you said, at first, I'm just trying to be buddies. I'm yeah, to talk and try to. You're get right. Out. You're much bigger than me. You shouldn't. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't waste your time with me. I can't do anything for you, so bye. Right. That's right. That's You're right. right. You are too big league for me. I am, personally. <laughs> so move on. <laughs> no, I, I hate that. It really bums me out. And um, it, why does it happen so much in this thing we do? In, well, in- it's not unique to our world by any means, because you know, I've I've had um, I've had I think it's I think it's an achiever thing um from my you know past jobs and from MMA, I've been around a lot of achievers in entrepreneurship or in athletics. And I think they're all kind of the same thing, like an achiever, whether that's somebody that wants to get their band or label off the ground or someone that wants to be a world champion in their sport or somebody that wants to start a world changing business. I think they're all kind of wired the same, not all the same, but there's that type Mm -hmm. of person who, who is completely fixated on achieving this thing. And that's just the lens they see the world through, which again, I, don't think that's, I'm not judging those people at all. It's just a matter of whether that's, you know, how I want to live or not. Um, and at a certain point in my career, I was fine or my life, I should say, I was fine with, um, helping those people achieve their thing because 
you know, I needed to, um, you know, I needed to have that on my resume, basically, you know, like, yeah, I know he's just kind of views me as a vendor that's going to help him build his thing, but that's okay with me because, you know, I need to prove myself, you know, when I was 23 or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this video for this guy, even though I know he doesn't really give a shit about me. Um, but that's okay because I want to say that I did a video for this person and that will, you know, help me open doors in the future. But now that I'm older and I've kind of proven myself, it's like, well, I'm not going to put my energy into making your fucking dream come true when you don't give a shit about mine. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What's... Like, fuck that. And, and both of us, all, all of us talking right now, we are all at a place in our life, career, either personal or, or career wise, where we know who we are. We know what we want. And I'm pretty, like, I, I want to keep growing. I'm not saying I've reached it. That's not at all what's happening. But I, I've definitely gotten to a place where I'm like, you know, it's, I don't fucking need you, I guess. Is what yeah, I'm exactly. If, if this isn't something that we're going to do together on a even level. Right, right. Then, you know, maybe. Yeah, we'll- the reciprocity, I think, is, is the big thing there. Just, right. It, just, it hit me recently when someone who... I thought I was friends with, I hadn't talked to him quite a while and I won't get into the details because I don't want to reveal who it is, but you know, I thought it was a friendly, like, Hey, let's catch up. And then comes the ask. And I was like, Oh, that's how it is. Okay. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's always kind of a, it's a mixed bag of emotions. Cause it's like, you feel, you know, silly for, for thinking that it was something genuine. Exactly. But then, you know, but at the same time, you kind of, it's also a great, it's a great way to grow uh, personally and just know that those people exist. And but how do you uh, know? Because how do you know if the ask is something that they're asking as a friend? Or do you just know? Like you can tell. Well, I realized, oh, that's the way it always was. I thought I was friends with this person. I was mistaken. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, like so like, far, we, me and you, we've never actually met in person, but we've talked yeah you know, texting, emailing, whatever you've been on the show. This is your second time. And I, I would never, I would hope that that doesn't come across as an ask. Right. Like I, no. I I'm just trying to chat with you. Yeah. So if, if so that's why it's like, you never know if, um, well, we don't, we don't know each other that well. So I don't have an opinion one way. Right. You know what I mean? Like we don't know each other. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the key. Like if yeah. you had gone, you know, on a trip with someone or you're really good buddies and, you know, you've done a bunch of stuff outside of business and then a bunch of time goes by and it's just like all you just, the only time you hear from them is. Yeah. Ask. Yeah. Can you help me achieve this thing that I'm doing? Nope. You can do it yourself. <laughs> I want to piggyback onto this with something that it's definitely related. It's something that I think about personally a lot and I never really could think of like an outlet to, to share it, but I would love to pick your guys' brains on it. I, I do this thing where, and I've, I've honestly always been this way, where I can witness somebody from a distance, not in like a creepy way, like I'm in a tree and they're <laughs> changing in their room, but like within the industry, especially. Um, and, and I see them and I'm like, I'm supposed to be friends with that person. Right? Yeah. That, that person doesn't fucking know me. Mm-hmm. And how do you, how do you win a friendship with them by, messaging them and going, Hey, you don't know me. And then do the Wayne's world thing. I'm not mental or anything, but we're we're supposed to be friends. And I'll I'll give you an example. This is a beautiful example because 
I just brought him up and you, you know him, uh, Finn, but Biggie, yeah. I see. And not only do I like just see, uh, you know, Biggie out in the world, I follow him on social media and stuff. I'm like, dude, he's into like working out. He's a huge Joe Rogan Who are you fan. Guys talking about? Uh, so, so Biggie is, a he's a manager with uh, he's still with good fight, right? He owns good fight. Yes. Yeah. Right. So he, yeah. so he, man- he manages oh, okay. like every time I die and terror and BT bam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fucking everything. And I, you know, in Matthew at rise is, uh, he's on the phone with Biggie all the time. And I'm just like, I feel, and you know, Matthew and I are, are close and I feel like, uh, I'm just like, it makes sense, but it's never made sense to mm-hmm. like, to interact with the him. podcast yeah. is good for that. Yeah. That, I got to say it's been, yeah, actually that's a great point. That is a really good point because he actually, yeah, it's, that's a brilliant point because he not only is just an awesome dude, which once again, this is where it gets awkward. Cause it's like, sounds like I have a crush on him. Cause I'm talking about this guy <laughs> that I've never physically. He seems so cool. I just, go to his, yeah. I go to Alan's room. It's just a shrine. Yeah. How do, how do I get his attention? He's just got great eyes. <laughs> I, don't I don't want him to know. think I'm desperate, but yeah, you know, but it's it just, it's, me back. it's a legit issue, especially with the internet and shit is that I can know, I can know his daughter's name, but I've never, yeah. I've never met him. What right. the fuck? That's insane. There's, there's a word for this. Creepy. Which I've been, uh, well, I don't want to derail it, but there's work. This is called a parasocial relationship, and I've been very interested in these recently. But oh fuck, no! Please derail it because basically, basically a parasocial relationship is uh, the nature of these kind of relationships that we have now with people on the internet. It's one in which it's a. I feel like I'm friends with you, but you don't know who I am. Mm. Fuck! I love yeah. that there's a goddamn oh, term for it yeah. now. So you That's know, you so see this, crazy. of course, with bands all the time. Like you know, if you're you've been around bands obviously when they're meeting fans and the fans go up and they know the dog's name and they go, you know, Oh, I saw, how was the, how were those eggs you had yesterday? They looked really good. And right. you know, and the fan doesn't understand that this is kind of like, it's not weird necessarily because people put the stuff out there, but sometimes it's weird. You it's, know, yeah. it's not the same as knowing someone in real life. Yeah. In fact, you don't so, know them at all. But I've I've had the same thing. Like well, like hardcore is sort of an interesting thing here because take someone like Biggie, who actually I that's the first time I've ever met him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but it was the same thing. It's like, well, we have five hundred of the same friends, and these friends are people I've known for twenty years. So, you know, with hardcore, anybody who is my age, you know, I'm forty, anybody who is my age and still involved with hardcore you know, they're not a tourist, you know, and I, and I, and we've probably known all the same people for decades. And it's just sort of like, I can assume that we're going to be friends just, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a safe assumption, but I've had that same thing happen a couple of times. Like, um, do do you guys remember the band fight fair by any means? Yes. Yeah. So I've known Alex, the singer Fight Fair. Well, I actually, I know all those guys for like 10 years. I saw their video in like 2008 or something. And I, w- I instantly was like, oh man, I, 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 I'm going to be friends with these guys. <laughs> and then I was. Right. And, you know, I still talk to him 10 years later. Or City Lights, same thing. Sometimes you just get that. You're just like, okay, this is, this, these people are going to be my friends. And uh, yeah, I I've definitely had shit finally connect. Like when I have this, this feeling, I'm like, okay, cool. And then, you know, maybe shit five years later, I'm in yeah. a band that's on tour with that exact dude in the band that I was like, oh, I would, I feel like I would link up with that guy really well. 
Yeah. Sometimes it comes together. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think that, uh, you know, it's the, the way to be is the way that I've been, which is, uh, you just kind of keep doing your thing. And if your paths cross cool, and if not, that's cool too. Here's what I would do is, uh, approach them, like get a notebook, uh, and show them, uh, that you've taken notes on their sleeping habits over the past four <laughs> months just to show them how dedicated you are to this friendship. The just, more detail, the better. Be helpful, you know? Well, I noticed a lot of times when you sleep on your left side, you tend to wake up a little bit grumpy. Um, you know, I've, I've recorded the conversations you had with your wife in the morning and, and I've noticed when you sleep on your left side, the tone is, is a lot more contentious than on your right side. Just, what I, this is a hundred percent what we need to do. I need, I need you to hit up Biggie and just say, Hey, uh, I want to, I want to uh, introduce you to my, my buddy, Alan. Like he's, uh, he's familiar with your cool, whatever. And then I'm going to respond with total big league. I'm going to go, I don't know what Finn's talking about. Uh, what do you need? Biggie? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really, my calendar's per, my calendar's pretty full right now. So yeah. push this till like spring. And the idea is I just get his respect by like, Exactly. Essentially disrespecting him. He's like, oh fuck, Alan's really cool, dude. And then he and then I've reversed the relationship. Like a shitty guy trying to hit on a girl. Exactly. Now he's looking at my Instagram story and commenting on it, and then I get to make him feel weird for knowing all the details of my life. And you win. Boom. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we figured it out. Exactly. Got him. Well, that's that's the thing. In in uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I used to do that when I was like a kid, is I would like be that way to people in bands like because i thought it would make them think i was cool or something oh yeah, yeah. that's so normal i did the same shit and i'm sure they're just like what is this fucking kid's prop like fuck off yeah you're kind of <laughs> thinking like the more details i get them the, m- the more they're going to accept me into their shit well i mean like me being sort of like um not rude to them necessarily but kind of you know yeah. what i mean like, oh they'll see i'm not like everyone else that kisses their ass you right, know, not easily. Actually, right. They're like, no, he's just an irritating little kid. <laughs> he's kind of an asshole, right? Like, fuck that kid. <laughs> Damn. What was? Uh, tell me what the what's the term for this relationship? One more time. Parasocial. Parasocial. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I feel like that's really strong with the podcasters I listen to. Oh yeah. How can it not be? You fucking yeah. know their whole goddamn life. I hear Brian Callen, Brendan Schaub, Chris D'Elia, and Joe Rogan in my head every fucking week. I could keep up so with sorry. them. It, yeah. Yeah. In a conversation, I could keep up with them with like among twenty others. Current shit and they would yeah, it, but they don't know who the fuck I am. And I that's such an uncomfortable Especially with podcasting, in. because you're you're talking. And it's like a Dewey pointed out last week that it's it's different than any other art form, especially music, because like with music, you can just kind of check out or you're feeling whatever you're feeling from that song. But with podcasting, it's someone's voice literally in your head. Right. Yeah. I just remember when he was talking, talking about that. Going through your ear canals in your brain. And there's experiences, experiences, and it's not like a, it's not a lyrical kind of uh, let me try to illustrate exactly. this. Exactly. It's it's just hardcore. Like, oh, I woke up today and my cat puked everywhere. And you're like, right. shit, I have a cat that pukes everywhere. Right. Like, I use this medication for it. I would talk to him about this medication I use for my cat. I feel like we'd get along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then you're like, no, you don't know who I am. And I'd be a psycho to reach out to you. Yeah. What's, uh, there's a particular weird thing that happens with gent bands. And I don't know if you guys have been around this very much. But they talk. Their fans talk about their dicks all the time. <laughs> it's super weird. Like uh, you, you guys know uh, who Misha from Periphery is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Look at the comments on his Instagram. I guarantee you, like 
They're talking about his dick? Uh, could be. Usually like, their own dicks? Is it in yeah. like a joking kind of way? Yeah, but it's really uh, weird and not cool. Like they'll go up to him at a show and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting him. I'm so hard right now. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What is your problem? That is super common. There's a couple guys. The band that I'm currently in has two dudes. I won't name them, but that's from. But good lord, dude, it's it's kind of like the fighter and the kid dudes do that a lot, right? Yeah, is that maybe where they're getting it? it, It's it's like a weird dude thing. It's It's a bro, like it's supposed to be the ultimate. We're not gay, so we're gonna talk a lot about gay shit. It's the ultimate (laughs) for heterosexuals. Like the more hetero you are, the more you talk about gay stuff, right? Like, I'm right. going to grab your dick. <laughs> I'm, I'm so in multiple group right chats now. that are like, hey, you guys good for practice on Sunday? And somebody will just write that jizz. And yeah, that's, exactly. That's I'm just like, thing. what yeah. are you doing? And it's right. one thing if, like, we're friends. Like, I still find it kind of irritating. But it's one thing if, like, you're just walking up to some guy in a band that you never met. And that's crazy. Like, yeah, what's wrong crazy. with you? I know. Because it's, like, supposed Why? to. What in the world would make you think that that is the right way to make a first impression? For real, yeah, because it, it's supposed to have a humorous bend to it, but it's like I, I don't know, man. You're just old, Finn. You don't get it, man. Yeah, that's what. Well, especially when they come up, like they're like trembling with fear, like yeah. smiling. They're just like, dude, I'm so hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like, if you intended that to come off as like a lighthearted, like you know, bro joke, it didn't. It uh, came off like totally serious <laughs> that makes it way worse just extra awkward yeah oh serial killer god. exactly you know and like the comments on the god i just i won't I, there's somebody in one of those bands that i'm friends with it's not misha but somebody wrote him like a three-page email that's basically like this fan fiction about them fucking good god and, and it's a joke quote unquote but it's like that's not funny. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's fucking you know what I mean? Stupid. Like, that's not funny. And it's not going to make this person think you're cool. Yeah, because there's there's no con. Like, you don't you don't have a relationship. So the context there yep. is literally just, hey, what's up? I'm a stranger. Here's a right. short story about us fucking. <laughs> right. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't. How are you halfway through that story and going? He's gonna fucking love this. Exactly. Like, oh my god, wait until it gets to this part, dude. I'm gonna probably be in the band after he reads this. No, dude. Yeah. I mean, God. Like, I did some really dumb, off-putting stuff uh, when I was a kid, but I never did that. Thank God. Yeah, that is that's championship level creepy. <laughs> All right, I need to take a piss really bad. So okay. I'm gonna do that. Let's take a little break and then uh, let's do the fight talk. Yeah, I'm sure you guys want to do some fight talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll try to hang in like the dad I am. Yeah, we'll just hit some some points. Some By the way, little... I'm not a dad for everyone. I don't have a kid. I just have a lot of dad energy. I literally thought you were a dad until like three weeks ago. I know. You're like, you don't have a kid? I, honestly, I thought you had two. I, I think I have four. <laughs> the whole baseball team is kids. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. All right. I pissed toward nice. Did you pee right here? Sitting here? No, man. I never pee. Our, our bladders are legit opposite. Oh, I have the bladder of a five-year-old girl. Yeah. Well, James, James's prostate is swelling. So yeah. that's why his. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. Meanwhile, I haven't peed in nine days. Before, I also <laughs> drink liquid all day. Yeah, see, I don't. I'm terrible about staying hydrated, which is like rule number one for being a human. Coffee. Yeah, a lot of coffee. That's probably, that's got to be 80% of what I drink is coffee. By the way, you guys ever notice how not tough you look when you drink out of a straw? Check, yeah. It, check this shit out. It's impossible. you, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Try to find the straw and shit. I like yeah. it. So good. Um, well, tough guys in the room. You guys want to do some fight talk? Yeah. Do some fight talk. All right. Go some quick bullet points. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll start with uh, start. We're, we'll start with uh, Silva. Wait, wait, let's do an intro. Okay, fight talk with Finn McKinty. Go are fight talk with Finn. Uh, yeah, so uh, Anderson Silva, uh, mm. Israel Adesanya. That was supposed to be the co-main event of the last fight. Um, however, uh, Robert Whitaker, who is the current middleweight champion was going to fight uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, he ended up needing surgery, Whitaker, uh, for a hernia. Yeah, it's like a hernia in his uh, in his abdomen. That was legit, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very, very. Le- I mean, he's a tough dude. He's I don't. That's the guy where Connor called him out. And- no, that no, that was Kelvin that he called That's out. Kelvin. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, 
So that fight fell through. Uh, so essentially the headlining fight of an already very weak card uh, was gone. So then you're left with the co-main, which was just kind of a, and I'm, I'm eager to get your thoughts on this, uh, Finn. It was, it was a bizarre, not a bizarre matchup, but a very interesting matchup. It's Anderson Silva, for those who don't know, was, he was the closest thing to, you know, being in the matrix for, for years, just undefeated for years, yep. uh, just dodging punches. Like he was just in a different dimension. Um, yeah, I know this. he just, he seemed unstoppable. He was eventually stopped like all fighters. He's, he's in his forties, I believe. Um, 43, yeah. yeah. And, and what made this fight interesting was he was going up against a fighter that is very much a young version of him. Um, so it was cool to see kind of a, a seasoned vet versus, uh, just this young lion that uh, is that the guy they call style bender? yep style bender yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I, I watched the whole the whole fight it was interesting in in parts it felt a bit like they had maybe too much respect for each other and it, it yeah. felt yeah. reminiscent of kind of a sparring situation but not the worst fight in the world yeah I mean I've seen worse uh, you sort of um, in these situations what you want to see is the uh, young, what in a perfect world, what you would see uh, if you're Dana White is that Anderson Silva puts up a valiant fight and has a couple moments where it looks like he might win, but the young gun decisively finishes him and shows, you know, that he belongs uh, in, you know, belongs to the big boys. Um, but that's not what happened. It's what you said, sort of looked like. You know, somebody on uh, on the underground said it looked like a coach sparring with one of the students, which I think is <laughs> about right. Um, it was obvious that Anderson had lost a step. You know, his speed just wasn't there. And, you know, he's an attribute. I mean, he's very technical, but he's, you know, always relied on his attributes. And, you know, with those sort of fighters, anytime their attributes start to go, then their performance goes too. Uh, so he didn't look bad by any means, but he just obviously had lost a step. And, uh, you know, Israel, I don't know enough about him to really have a strong opinion on it, but, uh, I will say he definitely was not setting anything up. You know, he was just trying to like, he was just throwing one or maybe two strike combos. And, uh, I don't think that's going to work on Anderson. You know, he's a lot slicker than that. Yeah. I think that you know, a lot of people were like, oh, here's where they're similar. Uh, you know, they're both fast. They're both, they're both technical. And for me, with a bullet, number one where they're most similar is they're both willing to stand in there and essentially give 70% because their yeah. 70% is better than most people's 120%. Right. So it, that was sort of the stalemate that you saw is they were both kind of just, there were multiple moments where they're just legit standing in front of each other, not throwing a punch. Yeah. Well, Anderson's always been like that because he's a counter striker. Exactly. Yeah. yeah he, he wants to draw you in. Yeah, uh, that's that's always been his style. Um, and then when the other person basically won't engage, it ends up being a horrible fight, <laughs> just like with Damian Maya and Tiago uh, Alves. And I want to say there was one other one that was like that too, just a couple like really total stinker fights. And I wouldn't put this one in that category necessarily. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the other difference I would say is that Anderson – is very good at setting his opponents up in ways that are non-obvious, which is why it works. If it was obvious, then it wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, and Israel, at least he, he didn't have it in that fight. He, he wasn't able to like uh, out slick Anderson, which I think he, he obviously had the speed advantage, but I don't, I don't think that's enough 
with Anderson. You know, you're going to have to have the speed advantage and you're going to also have to um, bring something to the table that he hasn't seen in terms of technique like Weidman did. You know, Weidman got him by doubling up the jab, you know, and he was probably probably had a little bit of, of an athletic edge on Silva. And he also found that little technical edge. And that's what it takes. And I, I think Israel just, at least in that fight, didn't wasn't able to find any kind of technical edge. He was just sort of. Um, a, a good striker who relies on a lot of attributes and you got to do better than that with Anderson. Were you ultimately disappointed that Adesanya couldn't get the finish? Uh, I'm not one of these people that's like obsessed with finishes um, for one, because you can't just will a finish to happen. Right. You know? um, I'm disappointed that, uh, he, I mean, or should I say, if I was his coach or his manager, I would be disappointed that it it didn't appear that he tried to find it, you know? I would completely agree. I mean, honestly, back to your point about him not not going for combinations. It, it yeah. was a lot of, like, single, flashy kind of – and listen, it would be great if you could knock Anderson Silva out with one of those, but if ever there was – uh, you know, an old vet that you were not going to be successful uh, yeah. with that tactic. Exactly. It's yeah. It's Anderson. That's, that's his fucking tactic. He, right. he knows what to look for. Do you guys right. think that Silva should retire? Not necessarily. I was, I mean, would you like to see him retire? Mm, I mean, I, that, that's a tough one because I'm not hard on his retirement. However, I couldn't tell you that I am like, uh, do you want to see him fight Conor McGregor the way that he implied? And then Conor agreed, said he would on Twitter. Well, what I think happened actually that was crazy. No sense to me. What I thought it was, was uh, Anderson Silva said he wants to fight Nick Diaz in Curitiba. And then Conor said, book it and I'll fight Nate Diaz. No, that's not how I took it. Okay. There's a video where. Well, I mean, you, you're more tapping than I am. You might. I'm, he, I'm literally going off a headline, so you might be right. He said something along the lines of, "Because yeah, people asked him, like, what would you do?" And he said, "I just think something." Yeah, I'll paraphrase. I've been around long enough. I deserve a fight, the big fight. I would fight Connor. Oh, right. And then Connor did a, like a paragraph on Twitter complimenting Anderson Silver, just compliment after compliment, like, you're yeah, yeah. Man you know, we all should thank you, blah, blah. And he said, I, it would be an honor is how he finished the tweet. I'm fairly confident we'll never see that happen. No, Dana White, someone asked him, like, what do you think about that fight? Because that's a, I am not interested in that at all. Yeah, I mean, so, shit, all that aside, even... Uh, and that's really actually what matters. Connor, Connor's not great at 170, let alone 180. Oh like, I don't... But I don't, a 43-year-old Anderson Silva? Yeah. There's definitely a fight or two out there for him. I think... He's oh, getting sure. into that that area where you got to be creative with who you match him up with. The Adesanya one was a, was a great kind of. I was like, okay, shit, that's got me interested. Um, I can't off the top of my head. I can't I just think of another one going for the the big money fight. Yeah, what do you think, Finn? Well, it depends on what perspective I'm looking at it from. If it's from the perspective of his friend or family member, I want him to retire. Right. Because, yep. You know, he's got a lot of miles on him and who knows what damage that's already done. Mm -hmm. um, so from that perspective, yeah, I would want him to retire. If, uh, you know, I was his manager or someone else that gets paid, you know, a percentage of his income. Yeah. I would, it's like what you said. It's like, what are the fights that are winnable, but still make sense. 
you know, and it's sort of like you get into that like Dan Henderson kind of territory where, you know, they're maybe not even a gatekeeper, you know, they're just a guy that is respected that's been around for a long time. And like, how do you, and people want to watch them fight, but it's sort of hard to find meaningful fights because it doesn't really mean anything if you beat them. Um, But it definitely means something if you lose to them. You know, that's the kind of fight that if I'm uh, a fighter's manager, I would not want to take. Like, yeah. what if Israel lost to Anderson? Yeah. And they'd be like, he lost a fucking 43-year-old Anderson. Yeah. On the other hand, he gets basically no credit for beating 43-year-old Anderson. Well, I didn't think about it that way. That's a good point. Yeah, and you have yeah. to wonder at this point, I mean, there are few fighters with a legacy as respected as Anderson Silva. And how much of that gets tarnished with every loss? Because I think right now he's lost his last three. Something like uh, that, yeah. Which was, or shit, maybe it's possible it was four. I mean, Jesus, he's fought uh, Adesanya and then Bisbing, Cormier, yeah. Derek Brunson, and Nick Diaz. Mm. I want to say he Jeez. lost all of those. Speaking, not to change up, but speaking of people who keep losing fights, what do you guys think about BJ Penn and him continuing on or not? I mean, I, I wanted him to retire, I think, like three fights ago. Yeah. When he fought uh, Rory McDonald. I mean, I, I'm going past what Finn said, the friend or family yeah. member. Like, what do you think as a fight fan? Oh, I say you put any hat on me and I'm saying retirement. Yeah. Yeah. It I, I'm, I've been a BJ Penn hater for a long time. Uh, he, I don't know enough about him. I, I, I like because I'm trying to get into doing my, you know, I keep saying I'm going to do uh, the first class of jujitsu and then I never do. But anyway, he's such a big inspiration for that world that I thought I liked him. I, I what don't you like about him? What's the well? What's he's the negative? he's very overrated by his fans, sort of like the Diaz brothers. Like if you look at his actual record, his best win is beating Matt Hughes once and then losing to him twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he sucks or anything, but you know, like, but he went up and wait and fought Hensel Gracie. Okay, so what? He also lost. Like, yeah, who, who cares? Like, to me, that's not relevant to me. Like I look at people like GSP and Anderson who get the belt and then defend it for years Yeah, against for years. all comers like that yeah. consistency. BJ Penn is very inconsistent. You know, he has some moments of brilliance, of course. Um, but he has basically lost a lot of those big fights, um, in ways that, uh, you know, reveal big gaps in his game that he never fixes, you know, like he, for being a jujitsu wizard, he has never been a threat off of his back. Uh, I think he has one win off of his back. I believe everything else is a rear naked after rocking people, which I mean, good for him. MMA or in jujitsu? In MMA. He he hasn't competed in jujitsu in like 15 years, maybe more. Um, I mean, he was, great he's very athletic you know and very flexible very fast it's like an explosive athlete um but back when those were very rare in mma but then you put him up against people like gsp who are an even more exceptional explosive athlete and he gets fucking manhandled yeah because he's crazy won't adapt his game i mean especially the past i don't know decade really he's just been like a boxer what do you think about the uh a fight that i'm very very pumped about is uh robbie lawler and ben askren for me for the longest time ben askren was well when is that going to happen 
I'll turn her up. Uh, I thought that was going to happen at two thirty-four. Is that not? It's it's coming up. As far as I know, it is still uh, it's still scheduled. Um, but I I always kind of considered Ben Askren not being in the UFC as the the single most disappointing aspect of the sport for sure because he always had this. this Bellator. Uh, no, he well he went to one one FC in Japan. Um, oh. he just he had a kind of a contemptuous relationship with Dana White. And Dana I think White. he told Dana White on Twitter, suck my dick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do it. <laughs> he he got to a point with Dana where he was like, I will never be in the UFC no matter how nice I am to you. So I'm just going to kind of yeah. come out guns blazing. And then in kind of an unprecedented move, uh, the UFC and one FC traded Demetrius Johnson, the, the flyweight champion of the UFC for Ben Askren. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love it because Ben Askren has always been this massive question mark only because he's murdering people outside of the UFC. But if the UFC is kind of the the premier uh, promotion, then fucking get him in there and let's test him and let's see what's up. I'll I'll say this much. If he loses to Robbie Lawler, Jesus, man, with all the shit that Ben Askren has talked. I feel dumb now. Robbie Lawler is Bellator, right? No, no. He's been in the UFC forever. So he is still in the UFC. He is. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that that is he, he had McDonald Roy, Roy McDonald is now yeah. in Bellator yeah oh because they fought they did fight it was <laughs> the it craziest was, fight fucking ever I think it was UFC 189 that was, that was the craziest thing yeah. I've ever seen it was um, in a movie theater watch that fight yeah he uh McDonald got his fucking nose crushed and dude it was disgusting man it was I think that was considered that was. fight of the year that year um but yeah I just I want to see I, I want Ben Askren tested just like anybody that uh you know the the floyd mayweathers and the you know when when you talk a lot of shit it it piques my interest and i'm like okay let's see if this is confidence it comes from a pure place or if uh or if it's just bravado so i don't i don't think that robbie is the ultimate test for him necessarily but this is also his first ufc fight so uh i'm excited to to see what happens what do you think about it yeah i i agree with all that i mean if he beats Robbie Lawler, that definitely means something. Uh, I don't think it means he is, you know, that doesn't tell me he's the next big thing that he's going to be the champ necessarily. <clears throat> Maybe if he beat the Robbie Lawler of five years ago or something. Right. Um, but I mean, Robbie Lawler is no joke. You're not going to walk over him. Um, and God. it would not surprise me at all okay. to see him uh, blow Ben Askren's head off his shoulders yeah, I fucking hope he does. It also would not surprise me to see Ben Askren like smother him for 15 minutes and Robbie Lawler like be. Is that what would happen with those two? Right, that's kind of the what you just said. Either one. Yeah. I think that's a huge motivation in booking this. Yeah. Is that it is a God, that'd be a disgusting striker, like a dude that could <laughs> could legit harm your life He's with so just terrifying. his fists uh, versus a guy that could take you down and hold you down and, and yeah i mean ben askren is like khabib without the ground and pound basically right right um and uh you know robbie lawler is a very good wrestler he's yeah i mean he's not on askren's level because nobody is but uh he's he's a very solid wrestler he's not easy to take down by any means and he's got uh, a yeah. scary heart too he's got yeah. that kind of heart that just it's it's different from other people he's in that fight until the very last second yeah, you you have to actually try to kill him. Yeah, and I I think that 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 was what made uh, Tyron Woodley's victory over Lawler so impressive was you just have to get a legit freak in there with a piston 
right. the right hand. And I mean, that that was so crazy to even see Lawler get knocked out because you kind of that wasn't a foregone conclusion necessarily. Like that is that guy is he's different. And so uh seeing him get knocked out, it just it was so surreal. It was one of those finishes where I didn't make any noise. I didn't yeah. yell or anything, I just stared at the TV. Yeah, it'd be like somebody, you know, uh arm barring Damian Maya from guard. Right. You'd be like, Well shit, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's a cool fight. I I you know I would have liked to see this fight happen seven years ago for both of the guys, but you know it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched any of Askren's wrestling matches, but god damn, he is a fucking artist. Yeah, he just gets it. It's it's a legit. It's a fluent language for him. It doesn't even look like yeah. he's thinking about transitions. He's just doing it. I yeah, I think that's what it is. You know, they call him uh, funky. Yeah, and he just has that. For anybody that's not familiar with him, go look up one of his highlight reels on YouTube. His wrestling highlight reels on YouTube. It doesn't look like anybody else. Like it looks like he's playing, but he is just always one or two or three steps ahead of his opponent, and always finds a way to uh, get on top and get control and keep control. And it's just such a weird style that I mean, that's why they call him funky. Nobody else can do it. And he's adapted it to MMA, I think, quite well, but not against elite competition. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And that's that's what makes this so interesting. I think you mix all of his just killer physical qualities with how strange of a guy he is. And he, <laughs> yes. And on top of that, he's not only strange, but then he's incredibly antagonistic. And uh, I think... Big it, personality, yeah. He does. And to me, whenever I see that in a fighter... I kind of hope that the the money is where their mouth is because they're going to make things really interesting because there's nothing better than a guy who's as good as he says he is. And on yeah. top of that, he's poking and prodding everyone because no one is a fan of, you know, Hey, so who do you want next after this one? Well, you know, whoever the UFC puts in right. front of me, no one likes that. We want to just fucking get as WWE as you can with this shit, entertain us. And then actually get in there, unlike the WWE, and really fuck each other up. That's just the most beautiful combination. I mean, that's basically John Jones, you know? Yeah, exactly. He acts like a total fucking dickhead and destroys everybody without even trying. <laughs> yeah, and then apologizes and then deletes that tweet where he apologized. Right. And he's just, he's a mess. So we've been talking about high-level MMA. Let's, let's go as low as possible. Uh, CM Punk was recently tested. <laughs> Uh, by USADA and is still in the UFC's testing pool. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean anything super hardcore. That doesn't yeah. mean he's got a fight booked, but it means that he definitely doesn't not have a fight booked. Um, the UFC is maybe still considering him somewhat valuable. Uh, what do you think is the likelihood that he has at least one more fight in the UFC? Well, since the UFC is now sports entertainment, not a real sport where matches are made based on competitive achievement, I'd say the likelihood is quite high. Yeah, I agree. ESPN ain't stupid. <laughs> yeah. They, Wait, they, go they back to the up. testing. What, is, what does that all mean? It just means that he is still in the testing pool. He could be tested at any point. He's registered as a fighter, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. As opposed to if you retire, they take you out of the pool. Yeah. Gotcha. And then you can do whatever you want. There's no consequences. How the fuck does that guy fucking test clean? How does he... I mean, yeah, Uh, he's probably, I mean, he's straight edge. Not that that means anything. Like he doesn't really look any better than me, you know? Right. Right. 
Yeah, that's kind of you could really tell he wasn't on steroids in in at least his first fight. Just looks like a dude. Yeah, yeah, he's he he very much looks like just a dude. He he doesn't even look like an athletic dude. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's he's essentially what you get when you take somebody out of a quote unquote sport that's all about personality, which is what the WWE is, and you put him in a cage with a kid that has been training martial arts for over a decade. Right. Yeah. He's not a good athlete. In addition to being old and untrained, he's just not a good athlete. What's fascinating about him is he is what happens when you, when you gain confidence. Cause I mean, the things that he's done are, are great. They're just not athletically great. You know, there are people out there that couldn't, that couldn't hold a candle to him in terms of his, his, the shit that he did in the WWE. And that takes, that takes intelligence and it takes personality, charm, whatever. Uh, but it's just, it's different. It's different. He seems like a great guy. He absolutely does. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus, has anybody taken as much of a lashing from MMA fans as that guy? And he hasn't committed suicide right there. That is, that's incredible. And he's, he's not stupid. He knows the deal. Yeah. You know, he, he knows that he's shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just got to fucking. He's not delusional. I, I would imagine he's, he's at Rufus Sport right now, rolling around with, you know, fucking uh, Anthony Pettis and Tyron Woodley. And he's just, he keeps his head down and he just tries to get better. This is a, when, when you're going up against time, there's no way to win. You just got to put in the hours. Time and natural ability, you know, yeah. as opposed to uh, as much as I, you know, as much as he can be kind of irritating, Brendan Schaub is sort of the opposite of that. Uh, he is maybe not an elite athlete, but he's a damn good athlete. Yeah. And walked into the UFC with, about as much training as CM Punk and is a top 10 guy. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, cause even being an NFL washout means you're a pretty fucking good athlete. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then you get guys like kid Yamamoto and Yoel Romero that come in there with very little training who are like God tier athletes and fucking blow That's everyone's crazy. brains out. Yeah. Yoel is just straight up. Not fair. It's terrifying. I don't know if you watched kid Yamamoto back in the day, but he was like the one thirty like the 132 pound version of you all Romero, just throwing, literally throwing people around makers that would like knock their teeth out. Like it was just not, not even fair to, th- it's like throwing you in there with like a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, I mean, his, his, his sister is like an Olympic champion. Their mom was an Olympic champion. You know, I mean, God. it's just not even fair that level of athleticism, you know, I, to me, that's the the place that the sport is at now, to the extent that it is a sport. Is like it really is about athleticism now, just like every other sport is. You know, you see people like LeBron and Shaq and people like that who dominated in basketball. Like not not well, Shaq was not very technical, but LeBron is technical. But a lot of it is just he's a fucking incredible athlete. And no matter yeah. how hard these other guys train, they don't have the 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 genes that he does. And same thing is happening, you know, in MMA, there's people like, you know, Woodley and Romero or GSP, you know, it's a little older, but you know, point being, and then now athleticism is like, it puts that upper limit on what you can achieve. Yeah. And, uh, to some extent, that's a bummer, uh, I guess, to some people who, you know, take the sort of martial arts mindset. But to me, it's like, well, I want to see the best people in the world. I want to see the best fighters in the world in there against each other. Uh, I don't want to see people like you watch the old UFCs now and it's kind of unwatchable to me because the level of athleticism is so low. It's so true. Yeah. It's just overweight dudes with goatees. Just, yeah. 
just Tough going guys. for it. And, yeah. and honestly, you can see as they're swinging, they're so like, crazy. I can just, I can gas myself out right now because none of these fights go past one round. <laughs> right. Right. And I respect that they um, got in there. I mean, that's terrifying, but I don't want to watch it now. Yeah. It's so funny. Like watching that shit as a kid, I was like, yeah, no, thank you. Now, if I had to choose, I'm like, yo, throw me in a cage back then. I feel like I could do all right. Yeah. But you put me against anybody. Put me up against a fucking, uh, a level or a, a, a 20 ranked yeah. fucking oh, bantamweight. 20, like fucking top 100. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get smoked first round. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> what I, do you guys- I don't know if I told you this, but I used to train with a guy that was a UFC like washout. Um, he, uh, I think he fought, I think the, the highest he ever fought was on prelims once he got choked out in like 30 seconds by um, Fabricio Camoys. Oh, okay. I used to train with him and he fucking destroyed all of us. Oh my God. Did and you train in MMA then? Yeah, I did for years. Oh. Uh, and Tommy's a bum by, MF, by UFC standards, but he wow. just fucking wrecked all of us. You right. know, so that tells you like what the level of athleticism is. Jeez. Yeah, that helps you imagine if you're just standing face to face with John Jones. That's a good part. What yeah. death will feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why when I watch some of these action movies now and one guy like destroys eight people, <laughs> yeah. everyone's like, oh, that would never happen. I'm like, well, you know, depends. Yeah, like eight. It's like me and eight of my friends could get fucking eaten alive by Yoel Romero. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you could take out an entire family reunion, dude. It's it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah. Fucking a. I mean, that's that's all I had for MMA news. We're a little light, you know. We got to wait for some. I have a, I have a couple. I want to see what you guys thought about the Dillashaw. Oh yeah, Henry Cejudo fight in the early stoppage. Did you guys a think that was an early stoppage? And I guess that's my other question. Go. I'll, I'll let you go, Finn. To be honest, uh, I had some family thing going on, so I only watched the like highlight at the end of the fight. So I do not have a, a valid opinion. It, it was pretty quick. I mean, in a, in a strange way, if you saw the highlight, you sort of saw the fight. That was, sort, that was yeah. honestly, for me, that was the bend to the whole controversy was this wasn't some third round thing and TJ was winning. It's, I'm 50-50 on it. I, I think that right now it seems like the, the general public the, of, of MMA fans anyway, uh, they're like 70-30 in, in support of it being an early stoppage. Yeah, uh, That's what I gather. I don't know. You know, uh, Suhudo brought it, and it's it's one of those things where, sure, maybe it was early, but you still got hit and put right. in a position where the ref was like, he might be fucked up. I don't yeah. know, and I got to stop it. Uh hindsight's 2020 whatever i think we're gonna see that fight again i love dillashaw he's an admitted dick one of my favorite things that he said was somebody was like you know i think it was ariel hawani was like you're you're kind of a a sore a sore loser and he said i never said i wasn't a sore loser like that's i'm in this shit to win and yeah i'm pissed off that i lost i feel like it's the ref's fault and i want to get back in there and that kind of unapologetic thing just uh it made me like him even more he's he wants to fight it doesn't make me like him, but uh, I get it. Do, do either of you guys ever follow Jordan Breen? God, that name sounds familiar. He, he's like the original MMA nerd. Um, he, had a, he had a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he put it well once. Somebody called into the show and said that they met some fighter. I think it might have been Cain Velasquez and that he wasn't very nice. Um, and Jordan was like, 
have you ever been around athletes before? Yeah. <laughs> not nice people. No. No. Like, they're all alpha yeah. winners. They're not fucking chill. No, yeah. No. Well, especially these types of athletes where especially their health players. is on the line all the time. And if they don't yeah. if they don't yeah. train diligently, they, they might get fucked up and that the guy who's the best in the world at fucking other people up is unpleasant. Wow, yeah. shocking. It's yeah. like a book book these hardcore bands you know, like Rude Awakening or something like that. And they beat somebody up. And it's like, oh, uh, the yeah. guy in a band called Hatebreed is <laughs> violent? What a shock. I know. The singer of Gillinger Escape Plan threw a fan across the fucking venue. Who would have seen that one coming? Who would have thunk? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, listen, hats off to Henry Cejudo. That is, those are a couple Crazy. solid fights to, to put away. Well, I guess he didn't put away demetrius johnson he won uh but the, that's what the record book says yeah no for sure uh and then and then dillashaw as well you could you could argue both those i guess but uh that is a jesus that that's a, a sick one too for him so i'm i'm eager to see what happens next I, I think that uh the the fate of the division is kind of still to be decided um but yeah i i love dillashaw even if he moves up man i'll, I'll watch his his fights yeah, he's he's you know he's that new breed of fighter that doesn't really have any weaknesses. He's a great athlete. He's good at everything. Just game as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Do some current events. Do the actual news. Yeah. Get away from this meathead news. Finn, can you see the desktop, homeboy? Yes, sir. Okay. Sweet. All right, let's do this one first. If I do this, do I lose him? No, there we go. Okay, so this is the. Did you say you don't remember this one? No, not really. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There we go. Ford recalls 1.5 million pickups that can downshift without warning. Oh my gosh, <laughs> 1.5 million. I need to send this to my dad, who makes fun of me for having a Toyota because it's not American made. Right. See, I read that as. Ford ships 1.5 million pickups that has a transmission that does all the work for you. Yeah, exactly. Boom. <laughs> Boom. What's that? You wanted you wanted first gear on the freeway, dude? Here you go. Here you go, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. Well, that's pretty much the end of that article, but if you get it, that's pretty crazy, though. Yeah, I mean, what, what could this whole fucking thing even be about? Oh, yeah, it's pretty short. I'm probably not very good at commenting on this stuff because I always want to know more because yeah. I would say that you know, and I mean, it's the same as you guys, I'm sure, like, the headline about what happened on this one tour, you know, you go, you you see the headline, and people ask you about it, and you're like, well, yeah, that happened, but let me explain a little bit about what the they context. did to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And then you go, oh, that's what happened, okay, so. Well, that's a, that's a good place to be, Finn, that's a good instinct to have. I mean, I have a very hard time thinking that Ford shipped one and a half million trucks and someone's yeah. like, but sir, they'll downshift without warning. He's like, fuck it, ship them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't think that's what happens. So in situations like this, I would want to know, like, what is their, you know, was this a QA issue? Um, was somebody, you know, I, I guess I would want to know how it happened. Yeah. Well, and also like, what is the, my very first question is out of 1.5 million pickups, what is the severity or I guess the frequency rather right, yeah. of each right. one. Is it right. is it every 15 seconds that all 1.5 million do it right. or are half of them not even doing it? And I'm, I'm just now reading too. It's it's literally just 
two of them did it once and they realized that all of them, right? Did, yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It could seriously be not nearly as catastrophic as this headline says. It could just be insurance or, you know, their policies. If, like, I would imagine that there's billions of liability. Exactly. You know, and it says, my it, yeah, and it says in here that the, the fix is literally just going to be a software update. So oh, interesting. Owners will be um, notified whenever. doesn't matter to me because I don't have one. Patch uh, it over the air update. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. This is the one I've been pumped on. Okay. Uh, so the James and I, we, we each grab news, you know, and then we kind of confer and say, do you have the same one? So we got the same one. I feel like I like my, my headline better. But, you know, regardless, this is a great story. Cage Tiger discovered an abandoned Houston home by a mar- marijuana smoker. So in the one that I read, it was kids got into an abandoned, my article said that it was an abandoned house. Yeah. And that the kids went into the garage where there was a tiger and then just a shitload of meat. Whoa. So the house wasn't abandoned. It looked like some tiger owners went on vacation. (laughs) Oh, so it's, I, cause yeah. And I don't know if they just left like whole whole dead cats around the tiger to eat while they were gone but just think about that shit. But like, still, imagine being these kids. Or you see a tiger and you're just like, yo, this weed is the <laughs> shit, man. I'm seeing tigers. You break into a place to get high. Yeah. And the first thing you see is a goddamn tiger. Yeah. Um, when I when I read earlier, it essentially said that... Uh, Jamie, Jamie, pull up the picture of his paws. Do you see how big those <laughs> yeah. paws are? And they're <laughs> to shreds. Imagine what that would do to you. And then somehow five minutes later, he's talking about apes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so they called police police came and uh tranked it and took it to an animal sanctuary there's uh like 800 uh similar type i don't think they're all tigers but just uh wild animals and uh yeah it's just chilling in a weird way it's kind of like a i guess a happy story just be- because the way that they illustrate the condition that the tiger was living in initially seems a little depressing so um I'm kind of curious about like what's the legality? Is it illegal to own a tiger in Houston? I would imagine so. That's yeah. the only the only thing I care about in this situation is the tiger. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think that they could tell too because in the article I read earlier, they just it's all about how the tiger's just chilling, <laughs> right. loving shit right now. I love how everyone like they'll uh, you know express their concern, and I mean I eat meat too, but you know we'll express our concern over this tiger over our, you know, dinner where we're eating a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, and also like I will sacrifice all humans for animals. You could tell me this story and say, oh yeah, the tiger's in a, a sanctuary, he's loving life. And then um, the owner was executed and I'll be like, okay, sick. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't even give okay. a fuck. Yeah. yeah, cool. That's the, my wife. The, the tiger's good though? Okay. <laughs> watch like you know, Schindler's List. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's dying. But the one cat right. is... Walking that cat looks cold. Yeah, she's like, oh, poor kitty. Oh, dude, I remember watching Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck, and there's like a little three second scene where the one of the boats gets like bombed, and there's a dog. It doesn't explode or get shot or anything. <laughs> it loses its footing for a second, and I had a fucking panic attack. Right, right. I was just like, oh god, is it going to be okay? Is it back on its feet? Well, like two thousand people died that day. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm not concerned for one of them. Just no, being a monster. Okay, what is this one? Drug Lord Yaquin. That's a name. El Chapo Guzman. 
found guilty on all 10 charges. That was that was a shockingly American pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I went as I went as sharp as I could. El Chapo. Joaquin, El, El Chapo. Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. <laughs> Gotta go hard with the enunciation. Yeah, dude. Uh how much do you know I, about I know a lot about him and I know a lot about prisons too. Uh let's hear it. I'd rather hear it from you. Yeah. Well my question is how they're gonna keep this I don't know to what extent these cartels run the streets. So you guys may know this, but uh, with the, I, I bet they run them a lot. So the, especially like the um, Hispanic street gangs are run from the prisons by the Serenios are run by the Mexican mafia and um no familia runs the Norteños from prison. Even the guys that are in like super max facilities, you know, locked down 23 and a half hours a day, they still find a way to get communications out to the streets um, through lots of different ways. You know, for example, visitors or like their lawyers, like they can't prohibit you from communicating with your lawyer. And mm-hmm. if your lawyer is crooked, then you just, you have a private meeting with your lawyer and say, okay, when you walk out of here, call my friend James and tell him to kill this guy. Tell him to kill Alan. Damn. And, so they, they, you know, oftentimes use their lawyers as the communication vector. Um, so that's what I would be interested. I mean, obviously they found him guilty, but now what is my question? I want to know how much he still runs the streets. Right. Yeah. Does, does the punishment even silence the, the criminal in any way? Yeah. Because the that's not happened yet. Let me check. Because that's usually later, right? Uh, Found guilty all charges, federal court, do, 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 smuggling, massive amounts of narcotics. I mean, murder has to be one of the... Yeah. Oh, for right. sure, yeah. Look at that dude. Things fit. Look at those eyes. Just living. Oh, boy. Living the good life. And I don't know if there's... Is there a federal, um, a federal death penalty? Couldn't tell you. Um, I there's something for like homeland security, terrorism type shit. Right. Yeah. 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 You're right. Those are capital offenses. But exactly for a lot of these. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know. There's two prison systems. There's the federal system and the state system. Mm -hmm. And uh, the state system, the rules are different in every state for lots of different things. Um, Right. And so you may hear that things work a certain way from somebody you know in prison or whatever, but if someone's doing federal time, it could be very different. Why Now, why, this could be a really dumb question, but why is El Chapo being, why was he extradited and tried here? Was it because he was caught here? No, it's because the Mexican prisons can't hold him. Oh, because he just gets out. Yeah, because but he'll he, say... Because he's already like twice, right? Yeah, because oh. he's going to say to the guard... You're going to let me walk out of here right, right now, or I'm going to have your children killed by morning. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And you go, okay, Mr. Ch- Mr. Guzman, the door's right there. Right. God. Mr. Yaqueen El Chapo. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Next. This, this next one's dark, dude. Oh, what are you doing? Calm down. Oh, what just happened? Get rid of him. Close out the wrong. Maybe. There we go. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, wow. Convicted in texting suicide case is headed to jail. So the cliff notes I got on this was just that she convinced a boyfriend to kill himself via text message. How crazy. 
I don't know. I, so you know more and more than I. I just saw that headline. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. So this, is, this is an example of how uh, the mainstream media um, usually. Oh wow. Okay, I was wrong. I was going to say she's not going to jail. She's going to prison, but she may actually be going to jail because it's only fifteen months. So okay, Michelle Carter, who was a teenager, sent texts urging her then boyfriend to commit suicide. He's had to jail for fifteen months. A Massachusetts judge ruled Monday. What was the specific so, charge well, that she was convicted of? Yeah, that's a good point. Involuntary manslaughter, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, and she, well, okay, so that's not jail. It is prison, but she already did 15 months. Can we try the video up top? Let's see if that, if, if it's just one of those ones where we have to read it and we won't do it. But. Yeah, I'm going to refresh because it's stuck. I'm sure we'll read that. That's, I got it silenced. So if it tries to... Reviewed the Commonwealth's motion and have read in detail once again the order that I issued on August 3rd, 2017, relative to the state and the underlying rules, especially Rule 31 of the Massachusetts Rules of Criminal Procedure, with respect to that. Uh, having done all of that and considered the arguments just presented to the court, the court now allows the Commonwealth's motion to revoke the stay of sentence. Ms. Carter will now be taken into custody. This matter is adjourned. Thank you very much. All rise. Cool. Well, there you go. Interesting. Easy. Jeez. Like, I wonder what was going through her head. You know, like, do you assume the worst in someone like that? Or... I remember reading about this forever ago, and uh, they were showing some of the, the text messages. But uh, yeah, that's wait. He so the case stems from July twenty-fifth. Conrad Roy, who died of carbon monoxide poisoning after locking himself in his truck. So that's how he killed himself. So she was seventeen at the time. And yeah. she told him to get back in the car, even though... He said he didn't want to die. That's, wow. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the... Because, uh, see, I was going to say before we read that, that if somebody's already contemplating it and, you know, the tiniest nudge puts them there, then it yeah. was going to happen regardless, but... Yeah, he was actively reaching out. But, yeah, she obviously does have... She's she didn't say, like, don't do it. She's like, oh, go ahead. Right. Yeah. yeah, she seems like a horrible person who should be right. incarcerated. <laughs> yeah. At least for some time. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe she can get those eyebrows done in prison. <laughs> they, they need a little bit of love. Yeah, let's scroll up. Let me see. Oh, yeah. They sh she should get another year for that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That looks fake. You look like it's like some Bert and Ernie shit. That's absurd. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't even look real. Throw the book at her for those. Yep. Yeah. Even her, her attorney right now is going, hey, I know you're sad, but are those fucking real? Yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. What did judge? What, Your Honor, what did you say? I'm sorry. I was distracted. Yeah. I'm crying because my attorney's I, roasting yeah. me for my eyebrows. Right now. <laughs> I didn't catch the verdict. I was distracted by my client's eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, James, you have a movie pick? Yeah. And then we'll um, wrap. Let's do yeah. it. I, I should probably wrap this up uh, shortly here. Yeah, this will be our last little, little segment here. Okay. Okay, so this is a movie 
so Finn, if you remember, every week I do a movie pick of the week. And this is, <laughs> as I actually wrote down in my notes, this is a movie that I've watched three times now. And at some point I need to just admit it's a great movie. So I, it's, it's a movie called American Made with Tom Cruise. I don't know if anyone here has seen it. Nope. Oh, I saw this one, yeah. Yeah, and it's just one of those movies where it sort of occurred to me that, you know, 10 years ago, or, or not even that, before there was just so much noise and so much going on, so many things for people to digest, that this would have made bigger noise. Like, mm -hmm. people would have been talking about it for a long time. But nowadays, there's just, like I said, there's Netflix and Amazon and, you know, Instagram. There's just so much shit to do that it just it was just a cool movie, and then it went on its way. Yeah. But, um yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was based on a true story. Um, so it's about a guy named Barry Seal, who was a pilot who flew for TWA back in the like, late 70s. And then he was recruited by the CIA because they, they realized that he was smuggling cigars into the country via Canada. And so they basically blackmailed this pilot and said, hey, you know, instead of us getting you in trouble for this crime, um, we're going to employ you, your piloting services. And so he, 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 he was a CIA operative uh, flying down to South America. In fact, it's funny, we were just talking about um, the cartel and shit because he worked for, what's that guy's name? Not Chapo, but the other one. Uh, Escobar. Yeah, Escobar. Thank you. Pablo Escobar. And so he, he ended up uh, like smuggling cocaine <laughs> with the, the fucking cartel. But while doing all of that, the CIA said, okay, we're just going to turn our, our eye to you doing this criminal shit, but, but you have to take pictures for us and you have to monitor the revolution that was going down in South America. And at the time, there's a lot of like communism popping up in uh, Venezuela and Chile and all around that area. So anyway, really crazy story. It's really funny. It's uh it's Isn't just, this like the fictionalized version of Cocaine Cowboys? A little bit different, I think. I, I watched, yeah. the, I remember. I, Is that I, the same thing? I can't remember, um, but I know that I, whatever it is, I watched it like a week before this movie came out. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to like compare and contrast the two. Um, but there is, uh, there is essentially a documentary version of this story, and I don't remember if it's Cocaine Cowboys or. Because I've never seen Cocaine. I've heard. I've heard it's really good. I know that guy. Yeah, I've had that recommended to me a few times. Me too. It's worth right. watching. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm, I'll check it out. I'm gonna play this boy. Anyway, gr great movie, really funny, and and well done. This is the United States Drug Enforcement Agency. We are ordering you to land. Hi, boys. Let's land. My name's Barry Seal. Oh. That's for the damage. For your sister. Hey, little darling. And your bike. Some of this shit really happened. You never saw me. Copy your class in the Civil Air Patrol. A pilot like you shouldn't be flying buses. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Bakersfield. Haven't you ever wanted something more, Barry? You should be serving your country. Your CIA. <sighs> We need you to deliver stuff for us. Oh, this is legal? You're doing it for the good guys? Very 
Barry Seals, a goddamn genius. You are an airline pilot, Barry. That's how you support this family. This is going to be good for us. Is this how legal? You trust me? No. We're expanding operations, Barry. The devil you know, the devil you know, the devil you know. Roscoe dug this up in the backyard. There are bills blowing around everywhere. I'll rake it up in the morning. ATF, drop your weapons! Guns, drugs, money laundering. Did y'all know the caddies have more trunk space than any other car? I'll get each and every one of you the caddy to your troubles. See, I'm going to walk out of here. <laughs> I don't read a damn thing any one of you can do about it. He's free to go. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Boy should have taken a caddies. <laughs> working for the CIA, the DEA, and Pablo Escobar. 1,500 kilos. That's 1,500 kilos, barre. In one go. Get it done. There it is. Hell yeah. Movie pick of the week. American made. It's one of those movies that's just way better than it should be. Yeah, it's it worth looks, a watch. It looks sick. Well, Finn, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was just as fun as I thought it would be. Just as fun. If not, more fun. Maybe more. I got to think There's about it. There's <laughs> that can be interpreted. Yep. Uh, where can they find you, Finn? Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under my name, Finn McKenty, F-I-N-N-M-C-K-E-N-T-Y. Or you can find me on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash thepunkrockmba. Uh, and those probably be the two, two best places to find me. I would concur. I, I really liked the last video you put out that what killed Pop Punk. That was really well done. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. Oh, and also I want to say I really liked the, the video you did while at NAMM. Oh, good. Uh, like I thought how I, to get your music. I notes. probably should have pressed them to be a little bit more specific, but I chickened out. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was really cool because it was a really good way to show the experience of that conference. It was a good idea, but I, yeah. I should have pushed them harder. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought it was great. You're, you're a good filmmaker, man. It's really turning into a, a really good, concise thing I enjoy watching every time you put up a new video. Well, I appreciate the support. Uh, I should go, though, because my wife is home and I don't want to get in trouble. Go do your thing, man. Don't okay. get in trouble, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Bye. Later, dude. Bye. All righty. Well, thanks again to Finn for being on the show. What a guy, huh? What a guy. Yeah, he's unique dude. He's the real deal, man. He can talk about anything. That's what I like about him. I know. A lot of wisdom. And I feel like uh, the, more, the more you talk to him, the more, the more you're going to learn. Yeah, he. Uh, we should clip out that part about him, you know, about the the being friends and business thing. I think a lot of people yeah. need to hear that. Great idea. Um, where can they find you, buddy? Uh, on Instagram, which is pretty much the the only social media that I'm actively using. It's just uh, at it came from the sky. Otherwise, uh, just alanashcraft.com. Got any new projects you've been working on? You want people to know about, or anything you wanna? brag about um yeah i just 
did some stuff last night. I was up till 5 a.m. Yeah. And had to be up at like 7 a.m. Uh, did some stuff for the rapper Kevin Gates. Really pumped on that. And then uh, the night before, did some stuff for Muse. Dude, that's crazy. Still waiting to hear back on it. You know, may or may not um, get approved. I'll, I'll post regardless. Um, and I got a couple other kind of cool big things I can't talk about right now, but I'm, I'm always taking work and, uh, I'm, you know, I got, I got a mortgage to pay. So hit me up if, if you're in a band or you have a business clothing company, whatever, um, absolutely book club. I'm, I'm all about it. So, uh, I would say alanashcraft.com is the best, best way to get a hold of me. There's a little contact page. You can shoot me a message. Who do we have on next week? Next week is my buddy, uh, Jeff Lopez. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. He's been in, uh, been in a few bands in the area. I've known him for shit. 15 plus years. He's, he's close with a, a former guest, uh, Kyle Baltus. Mm-hmm. I actually, I met Jeff through, through Kyle. So it's going to be fun. That'll be a fun one. What was the podcast he did? He's, uh, he's got a couple now. He's got, uh, Say what you mean podcast, and he's got a uh, Knuckle Draggers podcast. Nice. Um, they're both they're both killer. I'm probably partial to Knuckle Draggers. Um, I like his co-host, and it's just uh, the the vibe of it is super easy to listen to. Right. Very cool, man. All right. Well, thanks again to everyone for checking out the podcast. We we appreciate the continued support. It means the world to us. Um, if you could take two seconds and hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated and uh, you can find me at james ian macmillan on instagram and at stateside mgmt and we appreciate all of you and we love all of you and thanks again to finn for being on the show yeah we have we have like a new rule james and i talked about this if we're just going to keep it really simple instead of telling everybody to tell everybody about the show if you at any point in the show laughed or or you dug something that was said just even for a second if you found value in it then just tell one person, just make it this little moral thing where we'll never know if you don't do it, but you'll know if you don't do it. Exactly. You'll get like an hour less of sleep or some I'll shit. I'm watching. Just, just don't be that person. If, if we made you laugh or you, you dug something about the show um, or just even enjoyed it for a moment, just tell one person, maybe your dad's in the kitchen right yep. now. Just go tell him about it. He'll exactly. never listen and that's okay, but you've done your job. And you've done your job. So that's all I got to say about that. I love that, man. Keep it simple. That's something people can do. It's realistic. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think of all the things we support. And I really do, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I really do try to support the things that I love. And I I know it's really good karma for me to do that, you know? I mean, you you look at Finn's YouTube show. I really try to make an effort to go over and drop a like. That's like the least I can do. Right. Drop a like, put a comment, tell someone about the show post a little thing on Instagram. You know, I do that all the time with the, the people I follow. And um, I think it's good karma for the thing that you're trying to do out there. If it's a band or a business you're starting, whatever the case is, you know, support the things you love because it'll, it'll come back to you when you're trying to do your thing. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you wanna help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. 
Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grace Street.